0: Here we go.
1: What an amazing you just write like
0: this. Welcome everybody to the final countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I'm Lewis here my co-host Adam. Hello everyone. Uh, and yet again, it is my turn this week uh, to guide you through a final. And it is the 1984 FA Cup final between Everton and, Here we go. and Watford, owned by Sir Elton John. Uh, oh, but yeah. before we get into it, Adam, uh, what do you know of the 84 Cup final?
1: Right. So we're coming into the era of my childhood. So I was five. Uh, so I don't actually remember this one, but it's one I kind of, you know, when you start to get into something, you start mm. looking back. So I was an Everton childhood fan. Mainly because my brother was a Liverpool fan.
0: Well, of course, yeah, you no yeah. other option just so to. I wind literally,
1: him up. literally, I checked the newspaper and looked at the league table and wanted to find a team that was better than Liverpool. And Everton were ahead of Liverpool in the league. And that's why I support Everton.
0: I mean, there are worse reasons, it but could also it yeah, could have been any Yeah, It could have been literally anyone. So at least you've ended up with a, a decent enough club. Like if you'd picked, I don't know, Plymouth Argyle or something, it could have really gone down. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah.
1: Just the lottery of that particular day. When I was whatever I was, six, seven years old. So anyway, what I remember at the 84 is that Everton were decent, is what I remember. Yeah. Um, This was kind of their golden era, this three or four year patch. Um, And we had Andy Gray, who became obviously a famous co-commentator.
0: I mean, the rise and fall of Andy Gray in many different ways is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, he's introduced the phrase, take a bow, son. Yeah, um, which, which he also knew he was onto something because he uses that line for like two or three iconic goals. Yeah, he does. He so re- it's yeah, very spontaneous yeah. the first time he does it, but then he reuses it a couple of times. Was it the
1: Gerard one the first time?
0: No, I think I might be getting this terribly wrong. I thought it was the Olympiakos Gerard. Yeah, goal. that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. 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 And then I think he says something similar in the West Ham final. Right. Okay. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: like leave it out, Andy. Yeah, like it was good, authentic the first time. Exactly. Yeah, not so much. But I know he was a big part of Everton's attack, along with Graham Sharp. Oh, something on him later. Yeah. Um, and obviously Watford. Uh, so it's Everton, Watford. The dream kind of scenario was Elton John had bought um Watford, and this, I guess, was some degree of his, uh, like dream coming true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like not too. Uh just to let people in, I guess, behind the curtain. Big Elton John fan here. Big Elton John fan. You are? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, just
1: yeah. to clarify that for our listeners.
0: <laughs> oh, we want to be distanced from that. Fine, I'll take the mantle <laughs> on myself. Uh, so Sir Elton John, yeah, was a, an enormous uh, Watford fan and had grown up uh, not far from the stadium. So Didn't it, know that, okay. But essentially, Elton does exactly... First name basis. Elton! Elton. <laughs> Mr. John. Essentially, he does what we would all do if we suddenly became multi, multi millionaires. And obviously, this was back in a time when yeah. if you had like five million pounds, you could afford a football club yeah, and right. then yeah, some. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Elton becomes a multi, multi millionaire and just thinks, I'm going to own the football club that I've grown up supporting. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Does he still own it? Uh, he still has a stake, but he's right, not okay. the right. majority owner. Fine. Okay. Um,. Okay, yeah, so you've kind of touched on a few things there. Um, You are right that especially, this is basically the start of Everton's golden era. Um, So in summary of what had happened uh, leading up to this final, Everton had finished 7th in the First Division, which was obviously the top flight back then, uh, with Watford not far behind in 11th. Um, And we'll talk a a bit more about Watford and their kind of rise up to this point. So Elton John had hired uh, Graham Taylor personally. Graham Taylor, I forgot that. Oh, have we got some Graham Taylor beauties Do today? Do I not like that? Do I not like that? So, Graham Taylor had been hired personally by Sir Elton John, which is, without a shadow of doubt, the greatest decision that Elton makes in his time as chairman of Watford. Um, Graham Taylor comes in whilst Watford were in the fourth division and in five years takes them to the first division. Do you
1: know what I remember that now? Yeah, that's how he made his name, really, wasn't it, Taylor? Like that whole. Yeah, because he was a decent club manager. He was a great club he manager. Was just a bit of a terrible. National manager
0: Which we'll touch on a bit later I want to go back to that he, okay. he, right. he was Because ultimately We Got knocked down The group stages And then didn't qualify Under Taylor Is that right? With one of the best England teams In recent history Yeah yeah. That's fair 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 well, Although I would Argue against that With 92 I don't think 92 Is a good squad True. at all True Yeah we didn't ask an as a, awful But squad. he picked the squad within five years Taylor like it's the kind of thing you do on FIFA or foot manager and people say it's unrealistic just back-to-back promotion after promotion after promotion um and including the year before this cup final 1983 they finished second 11 points behind Liverpool so they they've been promoted and then they make a title charge that Leicester would be proud of wow absolutely incredible like astonishing stuff really that you say could never really happen again today but Leicester, to a lesser degree, managed it. They'd obviously been established as a championship club before they avoided relegation and won. But, like, yeah, what Graham Taylor did for Watford, and they eventually went on to name a stand after him um, when he passed away, which is obviously a a nice little touch. But, um, yeah, so Graham Taylor was in charge of this Watford squad. Uh, In charge of Everton, you had another club legend, uh, Howard Kendall. Here he is. Howard Kendall, who... um, would eventually return for two more spells at Everton throughout the 90s, which I didn't realise. So he would... Shouldn't have done that. No, exactly. Never go back. Never go back. Never go back. No. Um, it's basically like as if Hanson were going to release another song now. No, you yeah, just... They, yeah. they peaked so early, you just let them have it and yeah, then just walk off into the sunset. Just mbop and walk away. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that should be on a t-shirt. Bop and walk away. <laughs> and so Howard Kendall, the Everton uh, legend, he'd played for Everton. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think he was the youngest player
1: to play in a... Cup final before uh, Norman Whiteside. Is that right? Yeah.
0: That's yeah. a good little, little teaser for yeah, next time. that's good. I like that. <laughs> um, so uh, in the run-up to the final, both teams have managed to avoid too many difficult ties with some of the other bigger teams uh, getting knocked out um, and a couple eliminating each other. So both ended up winning 1-0 in the semis. Watford beat Plymouth, and Everton won in extra time against Southampton. So Random played. Yeah. They'd managed to have a, a relatively straightforward uh, run-up to this cup final. Yeah. Um, but we'll get on to the key stories between the two teams now. A goal! Oh, shot! So the key stories were that Everton and Watford had very different tactical styles. Um, Watford were known for their swashbuckling, all-attacking, um Kind of philosophy, but they would get labelled as long ball merchants, which was somewhat unfair because uh, when you hear about Taylor talk about his philosophy, whether it looked like this on the pitch is a different thing entirely. Yeah. I know that you know people like Sam Allardyce like to pretend like they have a very um, cerebral. Tactical yeah. now when actually it's just lump it long. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, you can kind of see where um, Taylor was coming from. So he used to say that his philosophy was to get to get the ball into the attacking third as quickly as possible, but then allow his creative players, so people in this Watford team like John Barnes, Mo Johnston, Naj Callahan.
1: Mo Johnston, that's a name from the past.
0: Yeah, yeah. he's he banged in at, like a yeah, lot of yeah. goals this year uh, to get them to the final, which we'll touch on. But um, essentially, he wanted to let the flair players or the creative players. Um, not have tactical restraints. His job to them was, which you can say is quite simplified, but for somebody like John Barnes, you imagine it was quite freeing to say, when the ball gets to you, improvise, create, do what comes naturally, trusting in these players to use their natural yeah. ability. Um, but it, it wasn't pretty in terms of, if you're a centre midfielder for Watford, you spent most of the game watching the ball fly over your head um, because your job was to disrupt the attackers and then pass it to fullbacks and centre backs to hit it long. It's really interesting because, uh, I mean, we tend to go down a tactical route with you, of what,
1: what I've noticed. You are like the tactical pundit of this sure. podcast. I'll take that. Whereas I think I'm more the sensationalist story narrative. Yeah. <laughs> so what I was going to say was when Eng- when England were under Taylor, do you remember? That, probably a bit before your time, but they used to kick off, knock it back, and then the centre midfielder would lump it as close like a, like a rugby union yeah. kick to touch as close to the corner flag as possible. And that's how England, under Taylor, kicked off. Every every time. Every time they Ah, kicked off. Yeah. And it's interesting you hearing you say that, like, what, eight years before he took charge of England. That was his tactic then. Get the ball in the final Mm -hmm. third. So then what happened is the opposing team, so we're playing Germany, Germany would then take a throw in next to their corner flag. Yeah, yeah. So instantly, and Taylor's... Plan. There was pressure, but it was it was random to watch happen.
0: Well, when you don't know why a team is doing that, it does seem strange that you have possession and then you give it away yeah. instantly, literally with no from the kickoff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just one player lumps it as close to the corner flag as possible.
0: It's difficult because what you, what we're talking about with Taylor and his legacy of international versus club. Like it clearly worked at club level for a long period of time. Yeah. This isn't something that people sussed out, or at least uh, could um, counter in any way, because he was doing it for five, six years as Watford manager with pretty like a high rate of success, yeah. but you just wonder necessarily why it didn't work at international level, but did we have the squad for it? Anyway, this, this is like a separate podcast. Yeah, of sorry. Yeah. Yeah, the international
1: and... game was changing, I think is the, is the quick answer. Yeah. And probably Taylor was a little bit late. Is what I would guess. But
0: back to 1984. Back to 1984. So uh, your beloved Everton were um, Go on the boys. A miserly. <laughs> I, I had a good outburst. I enjoyed that. Uh, Everton were a miserly, but not a negative squad. So they were based on formation, uh, a bit of resilience. They had only conceded one goal in the FA Cup that year. Really? So, yeah. Their wow. cup final run was based off of uh, playing 4-4-2 because they're a good British team. Yeah. Um, and they would. Uh, they wouldn't park the bus by any means, but it was about um, disrupting the opposition and then getting it to the wings and working opportunities. So you had this relatively um, different view on tactics between the two teams. And in the league meetings that season, Everton had won 1-0. And then both teams, completely out of the blue, had taken part in a thrilling four-all draw. Oh, I love those games. It, you it don't just see them terms. anymore, do no, you? No, it's a real barnstormer. Yeah. Um. So people leading up to or coming to the FA Cup final weren't necessarily sure which way it was going to go. Everton obviously finished higher in the league and were the form team. They had won their five games leading up into the final, um, whereas Watford's form had been a bit patchier, but it it was a relatively evenly contested cup final, which is quite refreshing, really, because I can't remember within my lifetime, really, when two middling Premier League teams where it could go either way. It's normally either two of the best teams in the country yeah. or like a, a du- underdog against exactly. the top team. Yeah, yeah, so it, yeah. it, it, it's quite strange to see two middle, yeah, mid-ranging teams competing. Yeah. Um, but Watford were in all kinds of disarray um, off of the pitch. So they'd had a number of injuries that had reduced Watford to a makeshift back line for the cup final. And their club captain, Wilf Rostron. Which is a it sounds like a fighter pilot in World War One, but Wilf Rostron had been forced to play centre back, but then got himself suspended for the final, so he had oh, had to drop man. back anyway as club captain, and then he wasn't going to be in the final anyway. It's another Steve Foster, exactly. Well, you took the words out of my mouth there. <laughs> so even more crucially, uh, with their captain missing and obviously a makeshift uh, back line, Mo Johnston. There he is. Had scored 20 goals in 29 games that season uh, and had really just hit the ground running, had uh, fired Watford, and um, basically was the main focal point for their goals. Barnes had got a few, Callahan got a few, but really it was Johnston's goals. Um, but he, uh, on the final game of the season, um, got a nasty uh, ankle injury and was a serious out for the game. He does end up playing, right. um, but he clearly wasn't at 100% the whole time either. Um, so he was carrying a knock going into the final. But this is something I'm sure you will have a bit of knowledge on um, but the final thing before we actually talk about the game itself is uh, Watford had sold their star striker uh, at the beginning of this season do you know who it is Luther Blissett Luther Blissett he had uh, scored 27 goals for Watford yeah. and AC Milan came in and paid him a million <laughs> pounds for Luther Blissett as he became known Luther Missit. well this is it so he goes over to Italy and he ends up going from 27 goals the season before with Watford to five goals in Serie A, despite the fact he started almost oh, every oh, league game. I like Lisa. So, it, well, this is the thing. It, it was a so rare for an English player to go abroad. Yeah. He had all the pressure, all the headlines, and he just crumbled under it, and it was a, a terrible season by all accounts. Yeah, yeah. That um, would have
1: been us before Rush went to Juventus, wouldn't
0: yeah, it? Yeah, that's Russia? right. Yeah. Um, and so basically, yeah, Luther miss it, mm, um, comes back with his tail between his legs, only lasts a season in AC Milan. comes back to Watford oh, right. um, and then hit the ground run again, hit 21 goals the season he came back. So oh, just right. something about that. But and I, I feel like we want to address this because, and it needs to be addressed uh, sensitively, because on one hand, it's a rumour about racism. Right. and On the other hand, it's quite funny, but hear me out. So okay. the whole idea is that Luther Blissett was bought by mistake. That what AC Milan and you can read into this. Loads of things have been written about this. So the rumor is that AC Milan saw a black attacking player oh, for Watford, no. launched a bid, got Luther Blissett, and then realized he wasn't John Barnes. Is the rumor now? That's been debunked a few times. So I want to say that, like, yeah. because that is a that is the most racist thing you can think of. Oh, there's a black player scoring goals for an English team. Let's buy him. Oh, it's the wrong black player. So it's horrendous. Yeah. Um. If true, but there is evidence to say that no, that was exaggerated. Because also, like. It's not as if Luther, Bliss, Luther Blissett was a dud and they meant to get Barnes no, was right, wasn't he? he? Yeah, well, he yeah. banged in like 27 odd goals um, that season for Watford that he signed for Milan. So he clearly had the ability, but because of his disastrous season there, the rumour. Grew from somewhere that Luther Blissett was a mistake, and actually, it was meant to be John Barnes. So, um, yeah, it all kind of unravels, which is ludicrous. The idea that a, a a huge club or any anyone would just mistake a player that you spend a million pounds on, yeah. Um, but that was the, the more rumor. believable
1: in that day, mind.
0: It, well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you kind of would send somebody on a plane and just be like, "Let us know if the well, even some good. of
1: the even some of the stories we've uncovered in this doing this podcast, like football was weird as. then. it was, was barely like,
0: professional, wasn't yeah, it? At, at times. Like,
1: our Dealy's coming over can I bring my mate with me Ricky (laughs) (laughs) like that kind of thing
0: so like they had all of this going around at the time Watford were probably um, underdogs is too strong a word people expected Everton to win but it wouldn't have been a surprise if Watford had turned it around oh right okay Um, so heading into the game The game starts with uh, Watford making the early chances, and two of them end up falling to John Barnes uh, of the Anfield Rap fame. And uh, one of them he should especially score. So a header straight at Neville Southall, who, I don't know what it is. There's something I find beautiful and comforting about Neville Southall just being in goal for a a club in the English League. He was a quality keeper. He was, like, genuinely a quality keeper. But I think, especially when I grew up, towards the end of Southall's career, he was, like, this rotund fairly overweight keeper who was still good but like he just looked funny in goal you had all these trim players running around and then you had a keeper with a belly he was
1: insistent on staying in 80s football as the Premier League changed around him
0: yeah that's a that's a very Mm. good way of putting it but um, again by all accounts like Southall was a a quality keeper Um, but yeah John Barnes gets these two opportunities one of them is a header and if he puts it either side of Southall he isn't getting it but he just heads it straight towards him And this is very early on within the first 10 minutes Uh, and then for a second chance um, John Barnes runs onto an amazing through ball from Les Taylor Um, if you want to YouTube the highlights of this game you'll see it. it's a beautifully weighted pass he doesn't need to break stride he cuts inside an Everton defender and just when he gets his shot away um a player that I hadn't really come across for Derek Mountfield yeah comes flying across come from on, the Derek. last ditch uh, block and and stops the shot on target a brilliant brilliant tackle um but yeah Watford make the early start and similar to what you just shared about England uh they are sat in the attacking third of Everton for the first 10 minutes or so. Everton just can't seem to get out of their final third. But Watford would then come to rue those chances because Everton start to get a foothold within the game. And once they've settled and they've got their structure... The mighty blues. That's right. They end up just strangling (laughs) the life out of Watford. Um, But essentially... Uh, What happens is a breakthrough comes as Gary Stevens, for Everton, hits a speculative drive. So a ball gets put in, it's headed around, and in wonderful 80s-style football, nobody actually has the finesse to knock it down the line. Everyone's just trying to toe-punt it somewhere further upfield. It gets pinged across a few places. Gary Stevens arrives out of nowhere and hits a very speculative drive. It's kind of strange. It looks almost like he stabs at it with the outside of his right. It's a very weird technique and it clearly isn't going to trouble the keeper, but what it does do is it dro- um, he drives it, sorry, and it pings into the feet of Graham Sharp. Go on, Sharpie. So you mentioned him earlier, who, I, again, I can't tell if he's trying to move out the way or is just landing his feet or something, but the ball hits his feet, and he kind of just realises that he's stood in front of the goal with the ball at his feet, nobody around him, so he just lashes it in off the post. It's a good finish, but it is just very fortuitous where Evan have taken the speculative shot, lands at Sharpie's feet, Sharpie. Now what am I doing? Sharpie. There we go. Me and Sharpie go yeah. way back. Like lands at the feet of Graham Sharp, who controls it and then just rifles it in off the post uh, to give Everton the lead. I was never sure whether Graham Sharp was good or not. Well, during my research, I can confirm that I'm not sure either because because yeah, he, he did he did things. <laughs> <laughs> this is what every former professional wants to hear. Yeah, their I career mean, summed Graham, up as Listen, I'm sorry, you gave me
1: some great moments as a kid, but like you, you did things. I'm talking to you now. You did things, Graham. But I was never sure whether there was actual quality involved
0: or whether you just happened to be there. It was weird. It was weird watching Graham Sharp. Well, it sounds like his career was summed up in this goal. Like, he finishes yeah. well, but how he gets the ball and the
1: circumstances yeah. leading up to, it you're a bit like, okay. Exactly. And when Lineker came in for the, I think it was the two seasons from this, mm-hmm. and, like, no offence to Graham, but Lineker was one of the best strikers of all time. Sure. There was just a different thing about him. Like, are we meant to do
0: that? Well, yeah, exactly. When Lineker arrived at the right place at the right time, you knew it was instinct. Whereas Graham Sharp seems to be like a Labrador, he's yeah, got lost he's just, on the pitch.
1: Just wandering around. <laughs> there you to be. This is terrible. <laughs>
0: like, the guy who scored in the FA Cup final, something me and you would. We'd yeah. give our right arm for, yeah. but still... Pretty sure
1: he won the league, cup winner's cup, but, you know, yeah. we'll rinse Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If you're
0: listening, Graham Sharp, you have our apologies, but you're good comic fodder. Um, so, sharpie. half-time comes around, uh, with a well-contested game still very much up for grabs. That was Everton's only clear-cut chance, really. Um, and so the game hadn't been um, the most entertaining, but was certainly very even. And even though Everton went in one-nil up, it was by no means a done deal they'd go on to win. Yeah. So... Going into the second half, this is where the controversy from this game comes from, and what makes it a great final. Controversy, didn't know so that. Andy Gray of Take a Bow fame, yep. of vague sexist remarks fame, yep. He uh, gets the second life. goal exactly. I mean, just of all the things to do. He didn't say that, did he? It was the
1: other one, wasn't it, Richard Keys?
0: I think wasn't it the conversation between the yeah, two was, of them yeah, talking about do Sean. Masi. Do me a
1: favor, was Keys?
0: Oh my god, just what is going <laughs> on? Yeah,
1: <with? laughs> Richard Keyes.
0: Anyway, he's then, got a lot of hair, mind.
1: Richard Keyes, never noticed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. have you ever seen a a picture of him with his top off? (laughs) No, but how have you and why have you? He sends them to me all the time. (laughs) He's one of those guys where you don't expect it. Sure. You think, you know, he's going to be quite smooth. Svelte. Yeah, and then he's like a gorilla.
0: (laughs) I love that you know this bit of information. I don't know why I know that. Well, I'll be Googling it after this podcast. I can tell you that now.
1: Anyone listening, just Google Richard Keyes. I think it's his arm as well. Right. Yeah,
0: it's like fully head <laughs> The missing link between... That's it, yeah. Evolutions. Okay, so... Proof of Taking emotion. it away from Sorry. Uh, Rich Keys and Andy Gray. Yeah. Um, Andy Gray was involved in the controversy because what happens... And I, I think I had seen this goal before but hadn't put two and two together it was this match um, until I was researching. So uh, a looping cross comes from deep. Um, and as Andy Gray goes to jump uh, to head the ball and contest with the ball, Watford keeper Steve Sherwood claims it firmly with both hands... And as Sherwood is landing on the floor, Gray's momentum takes him because he's already up in the air to try and challenge. And he heads the ball out of Steve Sherwood's hands into the goal. Everyone looks around at the referee and nothing is given. It it is allowed to stand. Andy Gray puts Everton 2-0 up. And when you look at it, I genuinely, as much as I'd like to lay into Andy Gray, I actually don't think he's to blame it, like, it is on the referee, and he absolutely should have disallowed the goal, Goal, like, Sherwood... Yeah, so the ball's in the keeper's hands, that's the end of the exactly, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, and especially nowadays, I know we say this phrase a lot, nowadays, nowadays, but, yeah. like, keepers are protected so much... I mean, now if you breathe on a keeper, it's a free kick. Exactly, yeah. but back then, like, Grey goes through Sherwood, yeah. and, like, he's already up in the air contesting, I honestly don't think he's tried to get away with it, this isn't a Maradona hand of God situation... The only time Andy Gray and Maradona will be mentioned in the same sentence. But um, yeah, Andy Gray kind of just runs off, has a quick look at the linesman, and then just carries on celebrating. And obviously, Everton get caught up with it. But you can see all the Watford players cont- uh, complaining. And Steve Sherwood is, is pretty much bowled over by Gray in order to get the ball yeah. in the goal. Um, but nevertheless the goal stands and uh, much
1: more physical game though on it and like you got away with things we'll talk about a little bit next week and the similar thing you got away with things that you just wouldn't get away with teaser well, not even for a second not even for a second would you get away with that now no but I want. it makes you wonder so I was going to ask you but you kind of said it like did Andy Gray like celebrated straight away
0: yeah, you see, like there, there does seem to be a moment's hesitation, yeah. and then he does do the Maradona thing of celebrate because otherwise, it feels
1: like, especially Maradona, as you mentioned, but it feels like that was a thing then because I think the referees to disallow a goal when it's in full motion celebration, eighty yeah. five, well not eight thousand but forty thousand people yeah. celebrating, it's going to take some nuts to blow the whistle and go no.
0: And I, especially, I guess, if you do have doubt in your mind as a ref, and you are seeing what seems to be very genuine celebrations yeah. it does cast even yeah, totally more yeah, pressure that's what I mean right.
1: yeah yeah almost like that was part of selling the goal yeah is just celebrate fully
0: mm-hmm. but Andy Gray puts Everton 2-0 up and from that point uh, Everton's kind of defensive structure just no matter what Watford try no matter what Barnes especially in the second half really tries to get something going um, but there's just no clear-cut opportunities and Everton grind out the remaining kind of 30 minutes of the match Um, and go on to lift the cup so um, it was Everton's kind of and Howard Kendall's tactics that won the final for them in terms of individual players Everton didn't really have anybody that was controlling the game or bossing it Watford were relying on their individuals a lot more Um, but Everton managed to get the win and ended up lifting the cup um, despite Andy Gray's controversial goal but they were probably just about the better team for it on the day
1: yeah what's interesting about this is I I know from one being an Everton fan and secondly for researching for the the following podcast is that Everton were incredibly dominant in the following season and without really buying deep. Star players. Yeah. I, I'm. Did Peter Reid play? I don't know if Peter Reid was at yeah, Everton. Yeah, he was. Right, okay, so Lineker came the season after. So as far as I can think, Everton didn't buy anyone. They actually lost Gray um, in the end of this season. Right. It's amazing to me that a team that finished seventh yeah. ultimately scraped a win against 11th place, mm-hmm. you know, Watford in the cup. Went on to, and I'm not just talking about win the league. They won the league. They won the cup. Won his cup. They got to the FA Cup final. Like that was a pretty without a huge overhaul. Yeah, or yeah, it, yeah. Start just, again, com- comparison with nowadays. Like now, if you don't buy anyone, you yeah. haven't strengthened your squad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Whereas, I mean, I don't know. Maybe someone will say to me, "I oh, actually Everton yeah, bought you know this person or that person," but I don't remember it from you know young kid. It's the same team as far as I could yeah. remember. Certainly no big buy. I mean, Lineker was the first big transfer I remember. And um, so, and then Rushko and the Juventus was the first few I actually went, oh, wow, that's that's a thing. Players go to other
0: places. So just on a personal note, because I know you're a massive fan of Lineker, were you a massive fan of Lineker because of his exploits in an England shirt or because he played for Everton or a mixture of both? Uh, what
1: happened first? Uh, Everton, I think. My, my early, and we'll get to this in a couple of podcast time, my first real, I can remember it, memory of being an Everton fan was the 86 Cup final. Um, when Lineker played, and we put he put um, Everton in front in the first ten minutes, seeing off Alan Hansen like he wasn't there. Um, obviously, yeah, Everton lost the game, uh, and I was heartbroken oui. as a seven-year-old. But yeah, I guess it was that. But then what Lineker did for England in that '86 Cup final, which was my first, uh, sorry, World Cup, which was my yeah. first World Cup. Um, yeah, I guess that just was cements there. it. Yeah, I think so. I think if you were, a, I don't know if you have that, but I think if you were an England fan through that late '80s into. Italy, 1990, where yeah. football came alive for a lot of people my age. Lineker was almost the symbol of that. I know Gazza came along, but Lineker was the poster the st- boy. Yeah, totally throughout that. And he was so clean cut and parents bloody loved him.
0: He's, he's the kind of guy that if your daughter brought home, you'd actually be happy about it yeah you'd be like okay he'd shake your hand he'd call you Mr Maxwell yeah, <laughs> yeah. he'd have her back by 11pm it'd be great thank you Gary <laughs> Yeah, you know that's a weird
1: ridiculous story so Gary Lineker had what's known as an 80s mop haircut like there was no style to yeah. it at all and I remember distinctly as an 8 year old going to my next door neighbour who cut our hair <laughs> who cut our hair with a poster of Gary Lineker <laughs> and laying it down on the table and saying I want that
0: I want a Lineker <laughs> I want Incredible. a Lineker and she looked at it like what do I not, do with that's that that's not a style <laughs> <laughs> go to run outside for 90 minutes you might get close
1: uh, dear, if you look at a photo of Lineker in like 86, 87 you'll see exactly what I mean There's, it was ridiculous but an 8 year old kid I was like I want a Lineker
0: I definitely when we tweet out about this episode the photo accompanying it is going to be the mop <laughs> of Gary Lineker <laughs> Yeah, I never did get that
1: haircut. It didn't happen. Four added minutes. And Gerard!
0: Stunning! Well, take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. You have been immense. Okay, so that was the game. Uh, just a few little bits of trivia and uh, interesting facts in our extra time round, or whatever we want to call I this can't, made yeah, it. you just name it for the yeah, first time ever. Exactly, just go with it. It <laughs> yep. seemed seem to work. Um, so. Just as a a smaller side, Howard Kendall, who obviously played for Everton in the late (laughs) 60s that we mentioned earlier, uh, played in midfield with Alan Ball and Colin Harvey. Go on. And the trio gained what I think is the best nickname, the Holy Trinity. Just incredible. Wow. So as a midfield three, they were playing pretty much every game together and just became known as Holy Trinity, which I just think, that's wonderful. We don't have enough nicknames these days. No, we don't. Uh, But they became known as Holy Trinity, which um, you kind of understand why Howard Kendall was so revered even before he took over the managerial job. This is interesting. I don't think Alan Ball did, but Colin Harvey became Everton manager, I'm pretty sure. Is that
1: right? Even maybe a caretaker slot, but he was definitely there. Alan Ball was a manager, but I don't think of of Everton. I don't remember that. But interesting, the three midfielders, like two of them went on to manage the club. Like, that's a bit crazy now. I don't, don't know if that's still a thing. I know that was a very normal thing. Don't yeah, I was about to say, to clear, clearly
0: well. copying the uh, boot room of Liverpool. That's it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Promote <laughs> from within, promote yeah, from within, exactly, promote yeah. from within. Even if they're rubbish, just yeah. promote from within. Yeah. yeah. See Graham Soonas. Uh, so, Howard Wilkinson uh, would manage the ill-fated England B-team for a fixture this year. The uh, England B-team, we, again, we should do a spin-off really at some point. Early?
1: Eighty-four. There
0: was a few before this yeah. as well, but it was so sporadic. It's not like there were fixtures every year, and there was only one this year. But um, I just thought it was interesting, some of the names in that B-team. So, just for a bit of nostalgia, we had Chris Woods, Gary Stevens, Stuart McCall, Graham Roberts, Alvin Martin, Nigel Callaghan, Gary Mabbott, Derek Mountfield, Steve McMahon, Luther Blissett, Gary Lineker, Steve Hodge. And they played a game against New Zealand, England wow. B team, uh, which they won 2-0 thanks to goals from Gary Mabber and Steve Hodge. Um, Gary Mabber, I don't think he ever played for England. Full no, I, I don't think he One did. One of those, either. a bit like Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce, yeah. that was criminal. Yeah, there was a season where Steve Bruce, I swear, scored like something like fifteen or twenty goals in a season for Man United and yeah. didn't play for England. Absolutely no, crazy, captaining Man United and not playing for England.
1: Derek Mountfield, yes. I am not going to tell you it now, but if you want an absolute humdinger of a stat involving Derek Mountfield and the England B team. Tune, now you're talking dirty tune, to me.
0: Tune in next week. I, talk to me about stats. <laughs>
1: about a player you've probably never heard of and the England B team setup.
0: Yeah, well it's perfect for showing off in front of your mates when you're six points deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, you might know about Riyad Mahrez, but have you ever heard about <laughs> Derek Mountfield? And the England B team. <laughs> Uh, so the final two points are, this was just an interesting tidbit of information. The FA Cup final allowed shirt sponsors for the first time. Did it? So this is the first um, FA Cup final that was allowed shirt sponsors. Yeah, let me guess. Hafina was Everton's,
1: And do you know Watford's? I'm going to confirm post-edit. Mm, I can't picture it. All I've got in my head is Rocket Man. I know it's not that. <laughs>
0: What, the song by John Rocketman was the sponsor of Watford shirt. Uh,
1: I want to say Avco, but I'm pretty sure that's West Ham, so I'm wrong.
0: And finally, just going back to the rumour around Luther Blissett's um, accidental purchase uh, to AC Milan, yep. it has led to the rise of something called the Luther Blissett Project, which is where um, writers in various different forms, novels, journalists, uh, memoirs, whatever, people take on the moniker Luther Blissett to hide their own identity, based no off of what happened in Italy. No people took it as a joke, and now there have been serious, uh, especially like even political journalism, where people are afraid to publish under their own name. Yeah. They will publish under the moniker Luther Blissett. Uh, so it's called the Luther Blissett Project, and it's where people that want to remain anonymous for various different reasons, yeah. from trivial to serious, will use the name Luther Blissett when publishing a novel, a book, a piece of no uh, journalism. No way, that. Yeah, incredible. So, can I,
1: can I uh, like, does anyone know that Luther Blissett isn't writing.
0: Have you ever seen Luther Blissett in the same room as those other journalists <laughs> at the I same mean. time? Like, that's a great cover. Superman Clark Kent. That's a great cover. Luther Blissett was actually just uh, a renaissance man. He was able to speak with <laughs> politicians. He was able to write novels. He was able, able to score 27 goals. That's it,
1: yeah. He, there was he, nothing he couldn't he do. Wrote
0: deeply controversial political <laughs> letters and did it under the name Luther Blissett and no one knew <laughs> in many ways what is it the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing in the world he didn't exist he is Luther, the Kaiser Soze Luther Blissett is it? Kaiser Soze <laughs> so on that note we're going to say goodbye now but um, Adam which uh, teams are we looking at in the final next
1: week the 1985 FA Cup final between Everton and Manchester United
0: see you then